0: On today's programme, Emil Kutzi from Northwest University in South Africa, talks about his research that he has conducted into Lance Corporal Veinan Vic Hammond, who served with the South African forces on the Western Front. I spoke to Emil from his home in Mafeking, South Africa. Emil, yeah. welcome to the Dispatches podcast. We're going to talk about your research into Lieutenant Colonel Hammond, who served in the South African forces during the Great War. Before we commence, can you tell us about yourself and how you became interested in the Great War?
1: Thanks, Tom, for the opportunity to be on your podcast. Um, I'm a, a history lecturer at the Northwest University's Mafeking campus, and I stay in the Northwest province. And in the old geographical terms, that was the old Western Transvaal. And when I moved here from Johannesburg, I stayed in a little town called Lichtenburg. And one day, being extremely bored, I believe it was a Sunday afternoon, I decided to take a walk through the town cemetery. I always believe that a town cemetery is like an open book regarding the town's history. And in the cemetery, you will have other well-known uh, military persona, like, for example, General de la Rey, that was a, a huge name in the anglo World War. By three lanes behind his grave was the grave that, that belongs to Lance Corporal wainwright Vik Hamann. And on his tombstone, the following words were omitted. There was no indication that he was buried in that grave. There's nothing that said, here lies or here rests. Only his name, date of that he passed away, and that the tombstone and the grave was erected and laid out by his mother, J.J. Haman. Uh, Johanna Haman was a full name. And this got me thinking, because that's, those words are usually not omitted. And I contacted a friend of mine at the Commonwealth Graves Commission, and he said to me, well, here's the, uh, here's the proof that I've got, here's the evidence that I have in my archive to indicate that he's not buried in Lichtenberg, he's buried in France. He's just outside the town of Phampou, um outside Arras, um, in the Brown Corp Cemetery. So this came down to the fact that hamann has got two graves, but he's only buried in one, technically.
0: So who was um, Lance Corporal Wijnand Hamann, and why is he important?
1: Well, he was just your average South African soldier. Um, he was born on the sixth of May, eighteen ninety-three, and um, he lived through the last years of the Transvaal, the old South African Republic under Paul Kruger, and during the Anglo-Boer War, he was with. Um, we believe he was with his mother in a concentration camp, but even not, he, he felt the brunt of the Anglo-Boer War, and he came across um, several British soldiers that were either in Lichtenberg, during especially the Battle of Lichtenberg on the 3rd of March 1900, uh, I beg your pardon, 1901, and uh, he literally became an adult here just before the Union of South Africa was uh, founded in 1910, and based on the Union of South Africa's Defense Act of 1912, um, he was then requested to serve for, I believe, nine months in a South African uh, regiment that was part of the Union Defence Force, and he served in the Transvaal Scottish, which was based in Johannesburg. But he never saw any action uh, during his time of uh, military service with the Transvaal Scottish because it was before the First World War. But when the First World War broke out, he was in the uh, he was working for the South African Railways, and he enlisted into the Second South African. Infantry Regiment while being stationed in the the Natal town of Winterton, uh, which is next to the Drakensberg Mountains, and he signed up to serve at the Western Front with the Second South African Infantry Regiment. And on the 12th of April 1917, he, I believe, he was mauled down by German machine gun fire. If I read through the reports of the charge at Fampu correctly, and he was then buried uh, with the rest of the men that fell with him um, in the Brown Corp Cemetery, but then his mother back in Lichtenberg, she decided to honor him in her own way, paying for a full-size plot for a grave, erecting a tombstone so that the entire town of Lichtenberg would take notice of her son and his um, timely end in the war. And Lichtenberg was not a place where if you were pro-British or if you were um, anyway way um, in favor of serving the British um, imperial forces, that you will uh, be a very popular person in that town. The town was extremely nationalistic in its mindset, and anybody that fought on the side of Great Britain was considered persona non grata. And hence, um, Vic Hammond, um, or Weynard Hammond being his birth name, he was literally, for the last hundred years or so, completely ignored by this town. There's nothing in that entire town that commemorates their only fallen soldier, and, um, except for this, this, uh, this empty grave that his mother actually paid for um, in the
0: town's historical cemetery. And that makes him quite unique. So just for our, our background, for our listeners, obviously uh, the town of Lichtenberg was of a, d- a different political and ethnic makeup from uh, much of South Africa. Um, it was, if I'm correct, part of the Boer community, who obviously many of them fought against the British during the Anglo-Boer War from 1899 to 1902. And they bore yeah, a large right. amount of resentment towards the, the English forces or English community there.
1: That's completely correct. The town of Lichtenberg, and especially the largest part of the Old Western Transvaal and Northern Free State, uh, took part in the so-called Africana Rebellion of 1914, where the old veterans of the Anglo-Boer War believed that it was a perfect opportunity to um, discontinue the Union government and re-proclaim the Boer republics of the 19th century. And uh, when General de la Rey, who was the Senator for Lichtenberg in the Union Parliament, was um, shot dead outside Johannesburg, um, that was the, the beginning of the Africana Rebellion. and this is a, a, an event that but that Vichmann also experienced, and on that specific day um, in September 1914, when delaray was buried in the Dutch Reformed Church in Lichtenberg, the, the 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 town folk and everybody that came to Lichtenberg to pay their respects to their former chief almost uh, acted violently in such a way that the Prime Minister General Louis Buerta and his uh, uh, deputy General Jan Smuts were almost the targets of their frustration as well as their anger. Many people believed on that day of Delaray's funeral that Buerta and Smuts might even be responsible for General Delaray's death. And the, the Africana Rebellion was crushed by the Union defense forces by the 16th of December, 1914. But there was a huge divide in towns such as Lichtenberg that you were either for the Union government under General Buerta and Smuts or you were for the idea of reproclaiming the Boer republics. And that could, if you were in the, in the latter group, you were considered to be a nationalist. And Vic Hamon was in the in first group. Uh, the fact that he, as the only Afrikaner that, from Lichtenberg, that signed up for duty at the Western Front, and being the only one that didn't come back alive, um, is for me an interesting uh, development when I consider the fact that Lichtenberg is not a pacifistic community. They do honour military historical figures like Rey. But when it comes to the First World War, the town has made no effort in the last century to commemorate their only fallen soldier of the First World War.
0: Now, Hammond obviously joined up um, in the first part of the war. Now, was military service in South Africa compulsory, or was it very much about voluntary enlistment?
1: When it came to the Western Front, it was all voluntary. Um, many of the veterans that served in German Southwest Africa, today's Namibia, and in German East Africa, today's Tanzania, many of them had to um, resign from the Union Defense Forces and sign up to be part of the South African, um, I hope I pronounce this correctly, expeditionary forces um, that were sent to the Western Front. And there were four of these South African infantry regiments. Uh, if you were part of the first one, you signed up in the old Cape Province. Uh, the second South African Infantry Regiment were part, were, were uh, well, it consisted of men that enlisted in the Orange Free State in Natal, and Vic was one of them because he signed up in the town of Winterton in Natal. And then the third South African Infantry Regiment were everyone from the Transvaal. And then the last one, the fourth South African Infantry Regiment, were all volunteers from Caledonian regiments in South Africa, such as the Cape Town Highlanders. First City Regiment in Grahamstown, the Transvaal Scottish in Johannesburg, and I believe also the Pretoria Highlanders in Pretoria.
0: So, do we know why he, obviously coming from a, a, a quite a, a, an antagonistic community towards the um, British, I suppose, dominated government in, in Pretoria? Why did he join up to fight for the British Empire when his relatives had fought fought the British, you know, maybe fifteen years before?
1: Well. I'm... Um, the, the accurate um, answer that uh, Vic took to his grave, but one can speculate, and I, I speculated in my published work that Vic um, was a soldier at heart. He wanted to serve. He was very frustrated uh, while uh, working for the South African Railways, and he was waiting for an opportunity to be back in uniform. Um, I think Vic Haman um, was in- entirely impressed with the Uh, British military forces, even uh, with them occupying the Transvaal after the Anglo-Boer War. But he enjoyed uh, being in uniform, serving in a structured, organized uh, military regiment. Well, British military regiment, I beg your pardon for that, uh, because there's a reason why he joins the Transvaal Scottish for his uh, compulsory military service in 1912, and he doesn't remain locally within the Lichtenberg commando, because in 1912, the Union Defense Act, a youngster of uh, Vic Hammond's age could uh, decide to go into a regiment based on the British way of, of organizing a regiment, or he could be part of a town's commando, which is based on the Old World Republic structure of a commando, or it can be part of a rifle association that's also locally based. And yet he decides to avoid the Lichtenberg commando and joins the Transvaal Scottish um, in Johannesburg, wearing the Duke of Athol's tartan on his kilt um, as he is living in Johannesburg, which is predominantly an English-speaking city.
0: Could you tell us about what the black community in South Africa was doing and how the First World War affected them and whether they um, were engaged or involved in in fighting um, for British forces at all? Uh,
1: Your black South Africans could also um, enlist for service at the Western Front, but not in a in a fighting uh, position. They were usually used as aiders, crumbs, or stretcher bearers, um, or any kind of assistance to the white um, soldiers that that enlisted. And they were part of what we called the Native uh, Military Contingent, NMC, uh, and the 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 issues that they had to also handle um, was similar to that of the white soldiers, and the only difference was that they had no kind of weaponry to defend themselves. So you have black South Africans uh, also dying in the trenches. Um, you, you have them also suffering um, a great amount of loss, um, and the, 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 largest, the, 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 the largest catastrophe that hit them was the sinking of the SS Mendy in February 1917. Um, when you had, uh, I think it's over 120, but I'm, very, I'm standing there under correction. But let's say, you know, a, a large group of the NNC um, drowned in the English Channel when the SS Mendi sank, and it said from the survivors of the SS Mendi that the South African uh, NMC soldiers started to sing, of course, in Africa, part of South Africa's national anthem today, as they were going into their watery grave. And after the war, the next of kin of these uh, SS Mendi uh, drowned soldiers. Uh, they, they, they established an SS Mendi educational trust to help the, the children of the fallen uh, Mendi's uh, NMC soldiers to be able to acquire an education. Sadly, that education trust no longer exists, but the SS Mendi um, has been commemorated and honoured quite uh, profoundly in South Africa since 1994.
0: So he joins up, and tell us about what happens to him when he goes to France.
1: Well, um, after his uh, enlistment in Winterton, he's taken to the town of portche to in the Transvaal for his attestation. There, all of his medical tests are done, and he passes them uh, properly. And then he's taken to, uh, on, on the overnight train to Cape Town, uh, where he's placed onto, on a ship uh, that takes him to England. I believe he went ashore for one single day in England at Southampton, Um, and this was just after the Battle of of Delverhood in July 1916. um, Big Hammond missed Delverhood, I think, with a week or two. And uh, as soon as he's um, in England for that single day, the next day he's dispatched over the English Channel to Rouen in in France, and um, that is where he remains for the last nine months of his life. Um, But he is... Uh, promoted in the field in October 1916 to Lance Corporal, uh, but then it, he he fell he falls at Fampoux on the 12th of April 1917.
0: So obviously he's killed in this action and um, buried uh, in the Commonwealth War Graves uh, Cemetery after the war. How does, is there any correspondence from the um, Commonwealth War Graves Commission to his mother and did she have any input into putting a, an inscription on his grave?
1: Yes, they did contact her because she was indicated the next of kin, but because Big Hammond changed his name when he enlisted in South Africa, his birth name is Veinan, but he wrote onto his enlistment form, uh, VIC, and that can be possibly because that was his nickname that he got from his English friends, um, or because he maybe just liked the name Victor, I don't know. So I'm actually quite amused by the idea what the Haman family thought when they got a telegram that said that your son Vic Haman has passed away, but they knew him as Beinat, uh, but they did communicate with, Haman, um, with with Johanna Haman and her husband when Vic passed away, and they did ask her, would you like uh, for this amount, of, of this, for this small fee to engrave something on his gravestone, and she refused. Um, She didn't want to pay anything uh, for a grave far away from home and that's one of the reasons why she paid for an entire plot in the Lichtenberg cemetery uh, to erect a a tombstone in his honour. Very uh, cleverly omitting the words that he does not lie there or he doesn't rest there, it is only a small memorial for herself for her youngest son that never came back.
0: And how's the town of Lichtenberg uh, remembered him to this day?
1: They have done uh, absolutely nothing in remembering him at all. Uh, there is no small monument. There is nothing in the local Dutch Reformed church. It's not even presented in the local town museum. Where uh, they, not, nothing one can find in the town except the gravestone that his mother erected um, alludes anyone to the magnificent story of Vicaman. The first time that his biography was uh, was published or attempted to be published was the work that I that I published in 2017, 100 years after his passing. So the town of Lichtenberg is completely uh, forgotten about him.
0: And where can people find out about your research?
1: Well, the uh, journal article that I published in the scientific journal called New Contria can um, easily be downloaded online, even on my academia.edu uh, profile. And they, and it's, it can also be, uh, I believe, downloaded from the Northwest University's uh, website. They've got the database um, on their library website where one can download the latest publications. Uh, but I would rather uh, go to the academia.edu uh, profile. That's my latest work that's been loaded up there. And I must add that uh, the uh, research on Vikhamann continued after the the biography was published. Uh, Professor Anton von Vollenwerfen and myself obtained funds from the Chancellor's Trust of the Northwest University to do a subsurface scan of of Vikhamann's empty grave in Lichtenberg to, to try to determine what does lie beneath. And those results we are publishing very soon I believe by June, 2019, it will be published um, on the academic website, litnec.co.za. But I don't want to let the um, cat out of the hat on those results yet, Uh, but uh, I I, I would rather want to see what the result of the reaction of the public is when they see the results of the very first archeological project about the first world war in South African history.
0: Emil, thank you very much for your time.
1: Tom, it was absolutely a pleasure and thank you for the opportunity once again.
0: You have been listening to the Mentioned in Dispatches podcast from the Western Front Association with me, Tom Thorpe. Thank you for all my guests for appearing on this edition. The theme music for this podcast was George Buckworth's The Banks of Green Willow. It was performed by the BBC National Orchestra of Wales, conducted by Chris Russman and produced by Biz Records. This recording is part of a collection of orchestral works by Butterworth performed by the BBC National Orchestra of Wales and supported by the Western Front Association. This is available from all good record stores under the record code BIS2195. Until next time.